Good morning. If you have a copy of God's Word in front of you, you may want to be turning to the book of he- or excuse me, the book of Romans, Romans chapter eleven. Romans chapter 11, and I'll meet you there in just a moment. We are thankful that you are here this morning, especially to the visitors that are in our midst. We are enjoying a very beautiful day again together. We're thankful for the opportunity. Holiday season is sort of in full swing. There's a lot going on, lots of shopping to be done, lots of family events to be at, but we're thankful that you have chosen to be with us this morning, and we hope and certainly pray that each one of us will make it an effort to be a part of the services of the church as much as is possible, even in the next few weeks as life gets a little busy. We've had a very few busy days here at the congregation at Saudi. Uh, We had a good day yesterday at the Christmas in the Park event. Thank you to all of you who had a part in that, who came and participated. Uh, We handed out, we believe, around 100 uh, of our eternity bracelets that we put together as folks would come up uh, and get the free cotton candy or the free popcorn. We tried to hand out some of our information, and so we're very thankful for those that had a part in that. Those who did the popcorn and cotton candy said we handed out a million bags of those, so they worked very hard at that uh, with the wind blowing. Um, if you want some more cotton candy, there's probably some floating around at, around the park there downtown because uh, we'd certainly uh, polluted the air with lots of sugar. Uh, and so we had a very good day, and it was very encouraging um, to let folks know that we're a part of this community, and we appreciate all who had a part in that. We had a Christmas dinner. We did have that. I don't know what the entertainment was. Afterwards, if you were a part of that, we're thankful for that. I feel like I need to go ahead and just put any rumors to rest. The Danleys are not expecting another child, okay? If you were here, Campbell asked, well, Caroline asked in Campbell's stead for a baby sister, uh, and I did not intend to scare anyone with a response to that, but apparently... Uh, even my mother-in-law, for a few seconds, was unsure of what the answer to that question was going to be. Uh, but no, the Danleys are not having any more children, uh, and uh, we've got our hands full as it is. But we're thankful to all those who had a part in the dinner Friday night and the entertainment. Um, as I mentioned at the very end of that, we never got to be a part of one with Frankie McCurry, uh, and we got to be a part of one with A.B. McCurry. And the dinner going on, the fun that we can have through that, the memories that you all share, looking back on those who have had such a a part in that and the fun that's been had there, it's very encouraging. And it makes this congregation a a good, fun part to be a part of. And so we're thankful, again, for all those who had a part in that. We started a series of lessons last week on prayer. And we asked the question last week, and we're going to touch on it several times even today, how do you pray? Over the course of these three weeks, I hope that it's not just how do you pray, but I hope it is somewhat how have you prayed. We're trying to push one another, myself included, to be better in prayer, go deeper in prayer. And so maybe it's not just how do you pray, but how have you prayed? Because I hope that something that will be said over these few weeks will encourage you to pray maybe a little more or maybe a little more fervently to consider these things that are done and how we pray. Last week we talked about what prayer is and not just that, but we noted what it is not. We should we said it should not be a last resort. It should not be only for emergencies, which is unfortunately how we sometimes treat it. It should not be wishing and hoping, we said, but that's how sometimes we ask for things from God is sort of on a wing and a prayer, we said. We did note that it should be our communication with God. It should be our, our pouring out of ourselves to Him. It should be an opportunity to communicate 
with God and share what is going on in our lives. I don't believe we touched on it in the lesson, but we know, we understand that, that he knows. He doesn't necessarily need that from us in a sense. He is almighty. He is all powerful. But at the same time, we have an opportunity to communicate with him. For the next two weeks, what I'd like for us to do is to consider the two sides of this communication. We know that communication is a two-way street, a lot of times especially verbal, but even nonverbal. It's a two-way street. If we're telling someone something but they're not listening, then it's not exactly communication or they're not hearing. So it's a two-way street. And so next week, I hope that if you're able to, you'll be back with us. It's been one of the lessons that I've been looking forward to in this series to try to give each one of us some encouragement for ourselves. What can I do? What are some things that I can consider? I hope all of these lessons touch on that, but specifically next week, we want to think about ourselves and how we can go deeper in prayer. But this week, let's consider together the role of God in prayer. What does the Bible tell us about God's role? In Romans chapter 11 and verse number 36, Paul writes, For of him, that's God, and through him, God, and to him, God, are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. The first thing that we need to remember this morning is, is that it is all about God. Everything in our lives should be about God. Our lives are meant to be for the glory of God. As much as I like to consider myself the star of the show of my own life, that it's all about me, that I'm the center of attention, the reality is, is that it should be all about God. When our lives go sideways, when we are in despair and hard times, we need to remember it's not about me. It is about God, of him, and through him, and to him are all things. And in reality, we should want to get as close to God as we can. We can make all kinds of applications, draw all kinds of parallels for our life. One, one might be that we think about if there were some type of a, attack or even some type of, of sickness, and if we could get to this one place, we would be saved. And if we can't get to that one place, we would certainly want to get as close as we can to that safety. It's all about God. And if it is all about God, then in reality, our lives should be about getting as close to him as we can. And thanks be to him that he has given us that avenue. He has made it possible. He could be the grandfather in the sky that some people consider him to be that, that just sits afar off and makes judgment and passes judgment and never interacts in any sort of way. But he has spoken to us through his word and he gives us an open line of communication. James says it this way in James chapter 4 and verse number 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Very simple. Very simple for us to understand that if we will draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Not only do our lives need to be God-focused lives, but our prayers need to be God-focused prayers. We're going to touch on this a little bit next week as we consider what we do and how we pray. And yes, God expects us to ask for things. James talks about that as well. He says you have not because you do not ask. So we should ask. But we need to consider as well that our prayers should be God-focused prayers because it is all about 
God. Secondly, this morning, as we consider this, I think it helps us to consider that we meditate on the fact that God is our Father. Isn't that, isn't that the best? Isn't that the best way to think about it? I mean, we know what the Bible says. Couldn't we have prayed our friend in heaven? I mean, isn't he your friend? I think we sing that, don't we, from time to time? Isn't he your friend? What about our master in heaven? Isn't God our master? Oh, absolutely. But do you remember in Luke chapter 11, in verses 1 and 2, that one of his disciples says to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And he begins with our Father. It's just wonderful to consider that, that he is our Father. Now, I realize for some of us that the idea of a good father is skewed somewhat by the poor examples that we sometimes have on this earth. We look maybe in our own lives or even in those that we know and and we see poor examples of fathers. But even then, we can understand whether it's through movies or, or books or other good fathers that we know, other people that we know. We understand that we have good examples of a good father. And isn't that the best way to approach him? What if he said, you have to say, our master, my master in heaven. He's the master. We're the slave. We're the servant. It's true. But we get to pray to our father. Even though we have poor examples, God understands that. Look in your Bible in 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, really the whole section is verses 13 through 21. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 21. But Peter speaks of us as being obedient children. Obedient children, in verse number 14, to a father who is one holy and two who judges without partiality. If you look there in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, we are obedient children to a father who is one holy, but two who judges without partiality. And he even goes further, look later in, those, in that passage, number three, who has redeemed us with the precious blood of Christ not of corruptible things he says there but notice he says received by tradition from your earthly fathers you see Peter by inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the guidance of God knows that we're going to have earthly fathers who are going to lead us astray from time to time but we have a heavenly father a father who is holy who judges without partiality and who has redeemed us with the precious blood of Christ. When we recognize that we can speak to our Father, our Father in heaven, it will help us to go deeper in prayer. Sometimes we often pause before we begin in prayer. And I think that is a a good idea, just to take a, a, a moment, whether it's a moment of silence or sort of a deep breath. That's a good thing. And I would urge you, in this connotation, Maybe to not necessarily consider this humongous courtroom with a large throne that we are a small person that we are approaching. Now, that may be true in a sense, and I'm not saying that that's not true, but consider humbly approaching the Father. Not in disrespect, not in irreverence, not as he's just some guy sitting over by a tree that we go talk to. It is God the Father in heaven, the creator of all things, But we need to imagine sometimes approaching him as he is, our father. That can encourage us as we pray to consider not talking to someone in the far off, long ago, 
someone that we cannot come to, but to our Father. Let's consider as well for just a moment three responses or idea of three responses from God. For us, prayer is often what is, is about what happens on the other end, on God's end. So that's why it's important for us to consider this lesson. But notice, first of all, he desires our prayers. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 8. Paul would write to Timothy, and I would think we all agree, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so in a sense from God, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere. Now this is not, again, God speaking necessarily directly, but the Holy Spirit through Paul writing to Timothy, but that we should be people of prayer. God desires that we pray to him. Again, he says, Hebrew writer says that if we will draw near to him, he will draw near to us. He wants to have that relationship. So when we think about the God side of the prayer, if you will, he desires our prayers. But number two, he hears our prayers. I think we referenced this passage last week, but 1 Peter chapter 3 and verses 10 through 12. 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. Notice the two things that Peter says there, especially in verse number 12. Number one, his eyes are on the righteous. And number two, his ears are open to their prayers. His eyes are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. We have a God, a Father in heaven above who desires our prayers. And yes, he hears our prayers. Notice as well John in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 14. Now in this, or now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, According to his will, he hears us. That's comforting. It should be comforting. You think about our earthly relationships. Sometimes people don't hear. Sometimes people don't hear because they can't hear. Sometimes people don't hear because they're not listening. But we can say something sometimes and we don't get any response because that person is not hearing. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Every time we can take comfort knowing that fact. Now we think about even as, he, as Peter was mentioning there in the passage there from 1 Peter chapter 3. But the idea that he will turn away from evil. Maybe he's not hearing us when we are doing evil. But if we do it and ask according to his will, if we are living faithfully, he hears our prayers. But the third part here that we don't often like to consider sometimes is that he does answer our prayers. Now, that's not what we don't like to consider, but we don't like to consider the answer sometimes, correct? We know that it's sometimes a yes. We have a real-world example. Look in Acts chapter 12. I mean, real life on the pages of the New Testament. We weren't there, but we can read in Acts chapter 12. We find Peter in prison. Verse number 5, Acts 12. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but notice what the people are doing. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. So we know that sometimes we pray for people. But continue on in verse 10. When they were passed, and this is an angel who is now escorting Peter, past the first and the second guard posts, they come to the iron gate, which was open to them of its own accord, and they went out. Notice verse 11. Peter comes to himself. And realize what has happened. And in verse 12, when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, 
the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together doing what? They are still praying on Peter's behalf. And in verse 15, as Rhoda has come to them, you can only imagine knowing the prayers have been answered, shaking, wanting to tell them they don't even understand her. In verse 15, you are beside yourself, they tell her. But she insists that it is so. Yes, God answers our prayer sometimes as a yes. And if we're all being honest, oftentimes he exceeds it in our lives with the yeses that we receive. It may not be everything that we want, but he even exceeds us sometimes in our hopes and desires. He answers our prayers and sometimes it's a yes. Now we get into the stuff we don't like because sometimes I call it a delay. Maybe or maybe not right now. Look in Luke chapter 18 and verse number 7. Luke 18 and verse number 7. Jesus is giving here what we call the parable of the persistent widow. She is continuing to press this judge for justice. And she continues and continues and continues until he finally gives in and goes through. And in verse 6, the Lord said, Hear what the unjust, unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect to cry out, Day and night to him, though he bears long with them. We don't like the maybe. We don't like the not right now. But sometimes that's the answer. And of course, unfortunately for us, we don't have the big picture view that God has. So we don't always understand exactly. But yes, he answers our prayers sometimes in that way. And we know also that sometimes he answers our prayers with a no. And we don't like it. At all, But what I'm afraid is, is that what we sometimes do is we get in the habit of saying, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I've not done enough for God to answer my prayer with a yes. And what we do is we treat it like a totem pole, if you will. We feel that the closer we are to the top, then the more we will be received by God. But friends, I'm here to tell you, the Bible says the exact opposite. Two passages very quickly. The first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. If we wanted to make a totem pole, let's, let's extrapolate this out. Go with me for just a moment. If we wanted to make a totem pole of who was the best, I think second on that totem pole, we might would probably agree would be the Apostle Paul. He would be second on this totem pole of people who were good people. And Paul says in those passages there that you're no doubt familiar with, Paul says, I asked once and God said no. And Paul says, I asked a second time and God said no. And I can imagine if Paul were in front of us this morning, he would say, I got down on my knees and I begged a third time for the God of heaven who has all power to heal me. And he said no. The Apostle Paul that we might consider to be the second best on that totem pole got told no. But go with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26 and verses 36 through 46 is the entire section. Matthew 26 beginning in verse 36. Because you see, if we have to talk about the totem pole, I think we all have to agree that the Son of God is first. On the totem pole. Paul might be a close second, but only the sinless Son of God would come first on the totem pole of good people who have done good things. And in verse 39 
of Matthew 26, Jesus says, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And God said no. And in verse 42, Matthew records for us that a second time Jesus says, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And God said no. And in verse 44, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, I can only imagine. Remember verse 39. Look at verse 39. It says that he fell on his face. What position is he in now in verse 44? Curled up in a ball, rocking on his knees, bowed on the ground. We don't know. But we know that Luke records for us that it was like great drops of blood was his sweat. He is bleeding and God says no to him. Let me be abundantly clear. If God can tell his only begotten son no, he can tell you and me no. And we may not like it and it may not fit our plans, but that does not mean that he does not desire our prayers, hear our prayers, or even answer our prayers prayers two more very powerful passages here and this lesson is yours to do with it what you will jeremiah chapter 32 in verse number 17 what we have to remember as we consider god's role in prayer is that when we are praying we are tapping into the power of someone who is beyond the limits of our comprehension jeremiah 32 in verse 17 begins ah Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Notice there is nothing too hard for you. Nothing. Think about that for a minute. And while you're thinking about it, let me get you started. Friends, there is a world of difference in accepting that statement and praying like you believe that statement. There is nothing too hard for you. Question, is there nothing too hard for God? Then how do you pray? Back to our fatherly example for just a moment, our earthly example. How many of us, even mothers, not just fathers, but even mothers as parents, we would want to be able to do everything for our children. We love them and we want to be able to do everything. But sometimes we have to step back and admit that's just too hard for mommy or for daddy. As much as I love you, if I could give you the world, I would. But it's just too hard for me. We have to admit that as earthly parents. But not God. Let me ask you this. There was a song in the 90s. It was entitled, Can You Stop the Rain? So can you? Stop the rain. Maybe you recall in James chapter 5 in verses 17 through 18 that James recounts for us in the New Testament, an Old Testament example. James recounts for us part of the story of Elijah, who James says was a man like us. And what did he do? He prayed. He prayed for no rain. And what did it do? It did not rain. My God can stop the rain. And not just a small drought. If you turn there, you notice that it does not rain for three years and six months. The weathermen are baffled. They don't understand. My God can do that. 
And in verse 18, Elijah prays again and it rained. There is nothing that is too hard for the Lord God. And we can talk to this being. We can talk to this person. He is our father. How do you pray? Do you pray to the one that can accomplish anything? Secondly, let's notice Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20. We know and we say it time and time again. The God of the New Testament is the God of the Old Testament. But we see Jeremiah saying it and we come forward in Ephesians 3 and verse number 20. The Apostle Paul writes, Now to him, now to him, that's God, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Let me ask you this this morning, or let me say this. I know that God is able. What I need to know is, will you ask? My God is able. He is able in prayer and in all things. Look again at that verse and look at that word think. Exceedingly above, abundantly above all that we ask or think. We sometimes speak of things and say that such and such is beyond our wildest imaginations. Folks, there's only one thing truly beyond our imagination and that is God's power. How do you pray? Do you pray as if you are approaching the one whose power is limitless? Do you pray as if you are approaching the one for whom nothing is too hard? Nothing is too hard for him. God is able. Do you know how you need to pray? I can think of one other example and the same word is used. And if you think it lets us off the hook even just a little, you'd be mistaken. Daniel chapter 3 verses 16 through 17 Three young Hebrew men stand before a king and his fiery furnace. But there's no crying. There's no fear and trembling. There's no begging and pleading for their lives. And here's your good reference to last week. There is absolutely no negotiation on their part. They look old mean Nebuchadnezzar dead in the eyes and they say, if you're putting us in that furnace... You better do it now because we won't bow down because our God is able. And don't miss the continued parallel to prayer because they don't even say that God will answer our prayers. They don't even say that God will answer us with a yes, but they say that even if he answers no, even if he answers no, we will not do the wrong thing and defy the living God. How do you pray? Paul would write to those in Philippi, Philippians chapter 4, and verses 6 and 7. I believe we've looked at this passage at four out of our last five lessons because of how much is packed into it. That the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's that important. It's beyond our comprehension. It goes beyond our understanding. Hollywood can't touch it. Anything that we can imagine cannot begin to touch on the fact that our God is able. Will we ask? This is the God we serve. This is the God who offers us an opportunity to talk to Him. To go deeper in prayer. 
Understand what a great God we serve. Draw close to him. He is able. But are we willing to ask? How do you pray? This morning, we barely touched the surface of what our great and powerful God can do. But do you realize how special that that is? To have an open line of communication to the one who can do anything. How do you pray? This morning, you may be here and that line of communication is closed. It's never been opened. You don't understand what it means to humbly approach his throne in prayer, knowing that he can do anything and that he can answer our prayers. We're about to sing a song of encouragement in just a moment that through its words, you might consider becoming a child of God. It is then that you have that direct line of communication to the Father, our Father, who hears you, who will answer your prayers. Become a Christian this morning by being baptized, immersed in water for the remission or forgiveness of sins. Or maybe you are a Christian this morning, but you've closed that line of communication, not because God has, but because of the sin in your life. There's no need to be baptized again and again and again, but you do need to be right in the sight of God. Through confession, repentance, and prayer, you can be made whole. He is able. Will you come to him as we stand together and as we sing?